0: Anytime you can narrow down what you sell to a specific audience and just not be afraid to do that, that doesn't mean that other people outside of that niche won't still purchase from you. It just makes the conversation that you have between yourself and that person, which is the marketing. If you can put a specific message out there to a specific person, okay, that's going to increase the chances that they're going to listen and actually take action on that message. But the average e-commerce store business owner is a small business owner. Most people haven't heard your name yet. You've got to make your mark somewhere. And it just makes your marketing more challenging when you don't know who you're talking to.
1: You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast. Your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Well, the importance of family is hardly misunderstood. In fact, there's a whole podcast category devoted to that, of which, if you look at my backlog, not on this show, just in general, I've contributed to it as well. But my conversation with Dallas Gordon today shows not only its value, but its potential. With COVID keeping things close and closed, in addition to learning about Dallas' methods for marketing highly niche products and championing the subscription box model, she also demonstrates what a home and family unit can do with the resources available today. And I guess in opposition, what the resources available today can do for your family. Dallas Gordon, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? How, how What have you been up to lately?
0: I am doing amazing. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, Well, today I've been momming. <laughs> So I just got back from taking my girls to lunch. They had a break from homeschool. So they're being homeschooled right now because of the whole pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. So just, so, you know. so that's had
1: to have been gone on for at least like a year at this point, almost. Yeah.
0: Yes. And just, I know for us, I don't know about for you, but where I'm located, it's like we're in such a hurry to make everything go back to normal. So then we rush out and we try to make everything go back to normal. And then things go haywire again. And then we got to come back home. <laughs> so it's been like a yin-yang effect. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, well, I'll say uh, briefly about my own lifestyles that I've been socially distancing since like 2007. Uh, so like I've been working remote for a long time. So when this uh, all started, most of my life didn't change, but all the stuff that was missing became a lot more noticeable. Although We couldn't go out. I uh, couldn't, couldn't socialize, which I would do. I uh, couldn't, we didn't go to see movies and theaters. So Um, things are still like reasonably normal for me all this time, but all of those little things that are gone, I I definitely miss them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the main thing that's changed is I have been like you, like I've been working virtual for over 11 years. Mm -hmm. So I'm used to being home for the most part, unless I travel and things like that. But now my whole family's home too. (laughs) 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 That's the main dynamic that has changed. It's been a big adjustment, but it's all good, you know?
1: So So I I did want to get into our uh, our first uh, traditional question, but I I would like to know, um, really my my own personal um, intrigue about how uh, it's been with education specifically uh, with your kids. So like how over the course of the year, how often have they even been in school or where have they most been getting their learning done?
0: So this whole school year so far, all of my kids have been home. Um, So the last school year. Before it was up, because of the pandemic, they sent all the kids home. And so we made the decision over the summer, since things just weren't in the clear with the pandemic, we made the decision not to send our kids back to school and to transition them into a full homeschooling environment. So like, we pretty much transformed our basement into a school. Oh, wow. And thank heavens, my mama stepped in. <laughs> she said, I'll help you guys with homes because she's retired you know, and she had the time. And so she said she didn't mind homeschooling them. So I think my husband and I did it like the first week. And when she saw how that was going, she said, let let, let grandma step in. And she's been doing such an amazing job with them. Um, So, you know, there are challenging days um, because what you're used to the school, just handling it. Now Mm -hmm. you have to be responsible for sending in the grades and pulling the work together for them. And field trips and lunch breaks and making sure they have balance and recess. So that part is challenging, but because we have a really amazing support system of people stepping in and helping, it's actually been a great experience. So mm-hmm. working out so far.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I think it goes to show too, is that we we all have our support systems and uh, pride can definitely get in the way of accessing uh, our uh, those support systems. So, Whereas now it's like, well, you know, there's only so many people we can turn to because uh, the state has much, much more pressing matters to deal with. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I really wanted to know that one. All right. So uh, it's not ecomonics unless I ask this question. It is who are you and what do you do? So what brings you here to the e-commerce world?
0: Okay. Well, um, I am a business coach. I go by a business mentor. People call me a coach. Um, I'm also a marketing consultant as well. Um, and so I work with digitalpreneurs specifically to market in a special way that attracts paying clients and customers. And I also work with resellers, um, online sellers, as well as coaches and service providers to sell more products. So with different strategies to be able to sell more products online, what brought me here is I've always been an entrepreneur from pretty much childhood, pretty much taught to me, from my parents, because I grew up in the family business, Um, I can't say that I succeeded. <laughs> okay, at all the different businesses I've had since teenage. Okay, I can't say I've succeeded at all of them, but I sort of stopped business early twenties and went full fledged into my career as a payroll analyst. And I focused on that for a while. I climbed the ladder until I became in. I was in management. And I was commuting about an hour and a half to and from work, which was a lot for me because I don't really like to drive. OK, we need to keep it short and sweet <laughs> and I need to drive. Let's go to point A, Z, then we're going back home. I don't, I don't like commuting.
1: So that's an hour and 30 to get there, then an hour and 30 to get back. So that's three hours altogether.
0: Right. Depending on traffic. And That was a bit much for me, but it was like my dream job. So I had the view. The nice view, the nice office, I had a, some staff and stuff that I was managing. So it was really an up for me, a up position for me. And I think that it was once I sat in what I thought was my dream, I realized that my initial dream for owning my own had not died. And so I, I wasn't ungrateful. I don't want to go there because I wasn't mm. ungrateful. <laughs> <laughs> Just though so it sort of like lit me up. Like, you know what, something's missing here. This feels great, but something's missing here. And I realized, okay, this dream of me having been this business owner and me building something great has not died. So I literally started thinking around online. I was shopping on Walmart, Amazon, and some other sites years ago. And for some reason in my mind, I flipped that and was like, I wonder, can I get on the other side of this and get some of this money? Wait a minute. (laughs) Okay. Like I'm buying all these products online. I wonder, can I get some of this pie? So I started out with my very first e-commerce store, which was a jewelry fashion jewelry store. I started out actually selling physical products. So I was actually, you know, having them shipped to me and repackaging them and all that kind of stuff. And then over time, oh God, I discovered drop shipping. Mm -hmm. And I just went from there. I retired my job, I think a year after I discovered all of this and went for it and never looked back. I'm not gonna say it was perfect, but I never looked back, and I built from there. So that's kind of my beginning.
1: One thing that I'm that I that I'm wondering about. So with uh, a position like payroll analyst, that's a level of specificity that I'm not qualified to to hold. Like right you know, here, here doing this podcast. Luckily, I have the freedom to guide the conversation in however i so choose kind of like what i'm doing right now not to get too meta about it but over the like the course of like a of a 40-hour shift you're for for three you know you're driving like three six nine to fifty eighteen it's like 18 hours uh commuting time to invest into this like what does payroll do for that amount of time
0: it's crunching numbers it's making sure people get paid to to make it that's important yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Not, not, definitely the not trying to delegitimize it for sure.
0: Yeah, one of the most important jobs in the company because, you know, the company owner wants you to get it right because they don't want you to overpay people. Right. And then the people who work there want you to get it right because they don't want to be underpaid. So you have a very, very important job, which leaves room for very little error. Um, we have to be up on like the payroll laws and different things like that as well to make sure that the company is complying with those. So, very interesting position, very detailed position, um, and important, you know. So.
1: Mm-hmm. And then one thing that I tend to ask whenever we hear about what people were doing prior to e-commerce is if there were as there was a skill set or a particular one particular skill even that you had uh, developed from that when they came with you. Now my my imagination tells me that you had these skills which got you the job in the first place, but I was wondering is like what uh, takeaway did come with you when you got into e-commerce?
0: The detail, um, knowing how to manage money. You know, knowing how to work with different personalities as well has helped me to, you know, first be my own customer service and then be able to hire an amazing team. But I would say the most I would say the biggest takeaway would be the attention to detail. I don't I don't I take pride in that I can put products um, into people's hands with little to no mistakes. You know, I'm very thorough. Okay. (laughs) When it comes down to checking my inventory, checking my money, making sure that everything adds up properly, that nothing is broken or damaged. And I'm very thorough when it comes to managing people as well, so that I can also have them to also adapt to my models, my my ethics, you know, what I believe, you know, it's important that as business owners and because, you know nobody's going to care about your business like you care about your business. Mm -hmm. And so then you start to bring in in other people, you want to successfully be able to, to a certain degree, be able to duplicate yourself in them and for them to provide them, your customers with the same experience. So I feel like having that job like that, really going through that career really set me up for success with being able to do this on my own. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, one thing that just came out in the news is that the CEO of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, he's stepping down he's got somebody else to take over. So regardless of like our, 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 the kind of drop shipping stores and e-commerce stores that we talk about here, or if you're one of the, the Goliaths, that's something that uh, I didn't really think too much about uh, before getting into e-commerce. The import, and it's it's a it's a it's across all the business, but the importance of being able to train people to see things the way I see them, uh, to do things the way I do them, because my business is an imprintation of what I do. So I'm I'm, I'm wondering about that. Have uh, Have you encountered any? Is there anything that was like surprisingly easy, or were there any challenges in uh, getting people to kind of like see things through your through your vision or through your filter?
0: Yes. It's actually challenging. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I believe it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been easy, you know, because you have to actually, I mean, just like you would hire for a job, right? Um, you have to weed through the people who are just there to just get the money and get a check. They aren't vested at all in your vision. They aren't passionate about the same things that you're passionate about. So that's where those skills come in because you have to take the information through the interview process. Let's just say you're building your team. You have to take your time to really go through each of those people to get those people who are willing to be more vested, you know, in your mission, in your vision or your passion for your business and not just there just to collect a check, you know, it can be challenging.
1: Mm -hmm. On the opposite side of that too. One thing that I remember was a a previous network that I was doing editing for and I I was like, uh, if something had to be done at midnight, I would, I would do it. I wasn't, I wasn't paid particularly well. It was like one of those like sweat equity businesses. My takeaway from that is it is also important for uh, employees and for people who are looking to find positions to know that if they're going to really go that extra mile and like spend as much energy as they can on it. And then some, um, that they're spending it in the right place. So what do you do to make sure that, you know, when you have the right people, um, that they want to stay and that they're going to be loyal to you?
0: I treat them well, okay, mm-hmm. and I try to ask the right questions up front. You know, like you can ask questions like, "What is your goal for yourself?" You know, over the next five to ten years, what do you see yourself doing five years from now? Um, why did you leave your last company? Why are you excited about getting this position? What do you think you could offer this company? What can you add um, to this position? How can you help us? Right and. I just feel like certain questions will tell you in most cases why the person left the last job and where they see themselves some years from now. So you can kind of get an idea, you know, where the person wants to go. Um, I know with so, so I have a very amazing assistant now. And I had to recently hire her, and I've gone through a really, really long hiring process to get a new permanent assistant. And it was between her and um, who was very young compared to the other lady that I was interviewing. And what I was kind of weighing was, you know, this older lady was really seen to be vested in having this job. Whereas the younger, who is my now assistant, has like a psychology degree. She's young. She's a nomad. She's living abroad. She's lived a few different places. So in my mind, okay, as a business owner, I'm thinking, this young girl has all the goods, but is she going to bounce around a lot? Mm -hmm. You know, am I going to take her through this interview process and spend my time training her? And then she leaves me one day. So I really had to go through all those questions with her to really kind of see what her goals were. She had already done the bouncing around thing and realized it didn't work for her. So she was looking more so for a position that she could grow with that would fit Mm -hmm. her lifestyle. And then the pieces kind of, came together a little better for me and feeling more comfortable with hiring her, right? And I still can't tell the future, but I I feel like it's questions like that and opening up certain conversations that can help protect you from the door.
1: Mm -hmm. And and I think the the line of work also informs a lot of change and a lot of evolution. It's not like, I, I well i'm trying to I was thinking like a factory job i I assume it's just like a remote only uh work these days what would be like the, the equivalent to doing that digitally so I think for for someone with that mindset it is especially at that age it's as well it's chasing after the change and so if that change comes within the company then it's a matter of like what tools and what training that she has to then uh to uh, to adapt to that and to take on that challenge so it would be something that she sounds like a good fit for
0: yeah I mean definitely making space for people to grow as well like how do you treat your people? Are you really making space for them to grow in your company? And if you're not interested in that, then they may have to go somewhere else and find it, you know, somewhere else, you know? All
1: right. So I want to shift gears. I wanted to ask you about the subscription boxes, because I know that's something that you're you're big into right now. But before I do, there was one other note that I had taken down that I just wanted to point out for a second because you were saying that like you're shopping online and at, at walmart and online on amazon and you said well why i want to get in on this and the part that i'm wondering about is like was it really the goliaths that were the inspiration or did you also see a lot of smaller businesses and think oh i i see these people i can these are kind of like, this is the level that I can uh, that I can shoot for. Now, to be fair, I will say that like, you know, when I was growing up, I was watching like comedians on like HBO or not HBO, not right away, but like I was, you know, watching comedians on TV and you think, okay, that's them at the highest scale. That's the inspiration to want to get into it. So I can totally understand, but I just wanted to get a little bit more clarity on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, at first, because those were the businesses that I was shopping every day, I was observing those businesses. Um, back then, I wasn't, shopping a whole lot of smaller businesses online back then. I was more so going, reaching for the bigger companies, right? Um, And so the kind of person I am, I kind of observe everything, (laughs) okay? So I'm always, my mind is always ticking when I see someone else doing something. I'm like, oh, I wonder how they do that. I just have one of those minds. But I will tell you this though, the Walmart thing, the Amazon thing was the first thing that kind of caught my attention. Once I started looking into it, I started finding all kinds of small businesses that were doing it as well. So it's kind of like, once it caught my attention, then I was like, okay, let me see what else is out here. you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Because once you observe it somewhere, then that pattern starts to manifest in other places too.
0: Right. So then I started finding all kinds of small businesses that were doing this. So that was just like an open door for me to start investigating to see what else was out there. Um, so yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to uh, uh, get that one out of my system. All right. So tell me about uh, subscription boxes. I think this is the first time that we've had the chance to talk to somebody who is um, uh I want to find another way of saying "big on" because there's, there's like a hundred thousand words that could work, and I couldn't think of a single one. Uh, gosh darn, one of them. Anyways, so how you, how you got into these? What's going on with them right now? And for people, you know, on uh, in, in Shopify Country, which is you know where uh, where, eco, where Ecomonics is really based out of, uh, a lot of our guys are they're doing the drop shipping thing. We're always on the lookout for other things that we can do. So take it away.
0: Okay, so in October of last year. Of course, the pandemic was full on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually supposed to start another subscription box. And that one was for e-com, uh, store owners and resellers. And my idea was going to be, and somebody's going to hear this and somebody's going to take this. Fine, because I've already started another thing. Okay, But what I was going to do was I was going to put products in a box, um, which were going to be products that, I was testing from different suppliers. I have a lot of great relationships that I've built with different suppliers. So I was going to use that box to feature different suppliers to store owners so that they could feel comfortable buying from them. So they could have the products put in hand where they could buy from them. Because you know, a lot of us in the e-commerce space, one of our biggest issues is low quality products. Mm-hmm. You know, Something being shipped to a customer that isn't, The quality we want, we're not really sure who to trust when it comes to suppliers, especially buying out of our country. Things like that can be very uncomfortable for us. So I decided to come up with a subscription box idea. Well, a lot of the people that I was working with were, were kind of having this scare because of the pandemic. And a lot of my suppliers who were going to be featured in the box started falling through. And I realized, you know what, this might not be the best idea. So what I simply did was to reach back for an old idea I had which was the start of subscription box for journal lovers, people who love to plan, people who love office supplies. And so I launched first a store, you know, a Shopify store, Mm -hmm. um, selling products for women who love to journal, use planners, use office supplies. And it really took off. So the store was probably started um, like July 2020. And then by October, I was ready to launch my subscription box because I had built that audience up of these women who were like fanatics over this stuff. And so I launched the box. It's called the Journal Junk Box. And it goes out every month. It has eight to 10 items in it, sourced all over the world for people who love to write, people who love to use office supplies, people who love to journal. And the funny thing about it is, is that I had this idea years ago and like was just too scared to do it because I thought nobody would want it. However, I've stumbled across a huge fanatic okay, group of people who are obsessed with these items, okay, way more obsessed than I am. So the business has just grown so fast. I started with 30 subscribers in um, October, 35 subscribers. It's grown already to almost 300. And that's just a few... Months. And and you know, of course, I've, I have a lot of experience with this. I've been doing this for 10 plus years. So yes, my experience has helped me with marketing, with knowing exactly what people want, market research, things like that. So all the years of being in business has helped me to grow this business so fast. But this is monthly subscriptions that come into me every month, hundreds of them. So this has been a pandemic built business. No lot of people are like, oh, it's a pandemic. I can't start a new business. Well, hello. I have. And a lot of other people have too. So that's just a little spill about that.
1: Well, I will say that I am I, I don't know. I would have to like see just how fanatical some of these uh some of your customers are, but I will say that I am a, a dedicated uh, note taker and general taker uh i have i have like any number of different uh, notepads and sheets each one with like different tasks like one of them is like my my sacred book of tasks that like what i I have my my daily agenda i've been doing that for seven years um i have a a notepad right here i take down notes as i'm listening to people so i can like there is i mean there's catharsis to to physically writing things down i think it's more um uh, effective to do at night than look at the phone because then we don't have to have the the blue screen glaring in our face. So it helps winding things down. It's satisfying to like cross things off. So I I I, I get the I, I get the obsession. So sorry and forgive me if uh if this was a point that you had brought up. Do you remember what it was specifically about uh, journaling and uh, note taking that made that one stand out?
0: I don't know. I've always liked to journal. Um, it's kind of like my thing. And I've always purchased more journals than I can handle, okay? Like, <laughs> so, you know, I just like to have something right. You know, the journal, journals can be therapeutic. Um, my journal has brought me through lots of things over the years. Um, so I knew I loved it. I don't know that I could be considered a fanatic like some of my customers, okay? But definitely almost there. I thought that for some reason, you know, sometimes it's just a hunch for you. It was just like a hunch for me back then. Like, I wonder what it was another one of those, I wonder what would happen ifs. And it was one of those things that I didn't move forward on because of fear, because of fear that no one would want this, you know? And I wish I moved on it sooner, but it's all good that it's happened now, you know? Um. So that was just kind of a hunch I had and also something that I also love to do as well.
1: And I also think too, that one of the things that we 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 do talk about um uh, on the show, one the thing some of the stuff that I've been uh, mentoring on specifically is that there are uh, certain product lines that are just not very wise to get into, especially for people who are just starting off, like stuff that you have to rub on your face or eat. Not the best thing to start from the beginning. Um, we talk about jewelry, how like, so, depending on shipping, some jewelry can shatter on delivery, uh, or like necklaces are really easy to just kind of like pack up and, and, and they're safe to send. So once you start like, uh, churning out a lot of those options, um, notepads, pens, papers, a lot of that stuff is pretty resilient. And I would say like, it's, it's not something that I'm concerned about that if the pen might break, I I guess, but I mean, the paper shows up paper is still paper.
0: Yeah. yeah. Pretty sturdy stuff. I mean, I have an amazing, amazing customer base. They are so amazing. They very rarely complain about anything. They're apologizing when they need to complain. <laughs> but very rarely does anything go wrong with books. You know, yeah. you have to make sure you package them properly. If Some of the books are drop shipped directly from the printer um, and they package it properly. So as long as your packaging is intact, normally a book and a pen in a bubble wrap pack is fine. You know, not a lot of issues. So that's I, I feel like it's a good niche to get into where you won't have a whole lot of issues and stuff breaking, stuff stuff coming apart. You know. So yeah, you're right about that.
1: Yeah. And I gotta I gotta tell you too why they're uh why they're apologizing so much because we're talking about people who like, you know, like us, like we're writing things down constantly, which means we're constantly introspective. So that self awareness lends itself to like, Oh, I'm really sorry to be a squeaky wheel, but I just yeah.
0: Yeah, very, very you know, self-aware individuals. You know, so that's a blessing.
1: Um, I, I guess I have a couple more, I guess, um, format or like function questions about this. So one of them is that they're coming from uh, multiple sources. So I figured that there's got to be a, a central point for them to be packed. Is it? Is this going on? Uh, is it being delivered to your place so that you package it and send it out?
0: Yes. So everything is sent here. And I'm really looking forward to once everything opens again, getting my own space away from my home space because it's getting a little crazy here. Um, Thank God we do have the space to handle it now. But eventually, you know, I'm going to need to move it. Um, So everything is being sourced and delivered here from all over the place. And then from that, myself and my family, we package everything. We assemble the boxes you know, put crinkle paper and all the packaging inside the boxes and, you know, put it all together. And then UPS comes and picks it up from my doorstep every month.
1: You know, actually, that was one of the questions I had uh, written down, uh, uh, in advance was about, uh, having your, your family help you out with the business. So, um, I mean, in terms of the specific tasks, you know, they're, they're helping you packing these things up, but, uh, overall, can you speak to how you find a good balance between your family relationship and your business and, uh, and the blending of these two?
0: I don't know that I can call it balance. I, you okay. know, I would, I would say that it's a work in progress. Uh, with me, with balance, I would say. Well, right now your
1: house is like an entire society kept into one building, right? You got your educational institute. You got uh, you a
0: everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. I would say that everyone in the house has a business except for like the <laughs> youngest ones because they're like just coming out of Tyler' age. I mean, they're they're you're young, five and seven. My son is eighteen now. He has his own businesses. My husband has his own businesses. My mom, she fills in and she helps out as much as she possibly can because we both have businesses running here. Um, So the family is used to it Mm -hmm. because the kids have been raised into it. So it's almost like we teach them what we know and then they just fall in and help. My son pretty much has a full time job with me. So a lot of the management with products that come in, he counts them, he checks them for damages. he's the one that keeps inventory of what we need. Um, He has a full-time position with that. So that's really his first real job, you know, type thing. So I guess when you, this is what you do, it becomes just you. It just becomes your life. And your kids know you as this business owner. And yes, we have boundaries that we set and we have dedicated family time. So it's not Mm -hmm. the seven days a week. We're cracking the whip, you know, 24, <laughs> 24 hours a day. Like, oh no, don't lay down. You better work. Like we have dedicated days for work and then dedicated days of rest and hours that we rest and that we don't drag the kids into work. But those kids know, okay, that <laughs> around the 28th of the month, we pack boxes. Okay. <laughs> is what we do. Listen, pull your sleeves up. Let's get in here. And we incentivize them for their help. So they look forward to helping because they're being taught a really, really good work ethic from a young age. And um, my girls are younger, so their attention span is a little, you know, and you got to make, you got to allow for that. You know, they'll help out as much as they can and then they'll run off and play. Fine. Now, my son, on the other hand, he's a young man. So he's held to a greater responsibility for his job. And um, so he has to fill in a lot more than them. But it's almost like, It just becomes a a part of your culture, a part of your family. You're raising it. Just like when I was young, I was raised in the family business. My parents were pastors. They had a church. So it was no option. It was like me and my brother were used to them running that business and us being involved as a family. And as a family from childhood, we just all had our roles and we all took the responsibility to grow the family business. And it's kind of the same vibe happening here. I'm just probably maybe not as hard as I could be on my kids but you know they're learning from you.
1: Yeah, that's uh that, that's a great insight. It's how, how's the best way that I can say that it's this the house is in influencing the there's a culture to it and uh, as uh, as your children are being raised through it that they're that they are that they're seeing really like a lot of what your world has to offer. And it reminds me just like you know growing up uh and my own parents uh you know with my family is um and my dad, he worked, he was, a, he was a truck driver for the school board. So he was out uh, all, all day uh, delivering uh, textbooks and supplies. Um, my mom, at first couple of years, she was around, but then uh, she had to pick up a job as well because in Canada, it's expensive to live here. And, and then, of course, my brother and I, we would go to school. And what we found was, you know, and this really, this by the way, this is like really the first time that I'm thinking about this, just listening to what you're saying, is that the house didn't have much of a culture to it. Uh, we had our, you know, we had our own individual cultures, which was whatever we would uh, do on our uh, respective computers. But, um, as a family unit, there were holidays, we would go on vacations, but over um, other than that, really like whatever our influence is, one, we're all external. And, and that's not what I, that's not the vibe that I'm getting from you. What I'm getting from you is that there is a lot of internal influence and a lot of like guidance and showing, you know, your, your children, what is your way? Maybe they'll keep on with it. Maybe they'll, they'll find a different route to go. And the only, the only reason why I say that is because, you know, my dad had very, um, specific expectations for me, not so much in like in work other than me to make money. Uh, so, you know, as long as I I covered that, he he was, he was happy, but he also expected me to be a driver too, because he was a driver. And in addition to some visibility issues that I have, and and as well as the fact that I just do not want to get in a car whatsoever. I definitely like it took that influence, and then I repelled from it. I kind of like I backed away from it. Um, and I'm wondering if you've seen any signs of that, like if not, not not out of like rebelliousness or anything like that, but if you're and if uh, anyone in your family are like developing their own interest path and using you as a comparison, there, it's actually going to reflect and enhance some a uh, different path they want to take.
0: I was like that.
1: Oh yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> Growing up. Um, I was a little rebellious. I'm going to use the word because that's exactly what I was. Well, I didn't want
1: to outright call your kids rebels. I didn't think that. (laughs) I'll I'll let you do that. I didn't didn't name my position.
0: Yeah, let's call me out first. I was a rebel growing up. Um, and I fought against a lot of the things that were going on, and it was just because a lot of it was just so forced, and it was just no real space for me to kind of do me sometimes. Um, and I think that we are raised by. People who are doing the best they can with the information they have. And then we become those people. And so I have so much grace in my heart for my parents now that I'm a parent. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, I see what you were trying to do with me or what you did with me. And this is how it's impacted me. Where you didn't just set me out loose out there to figure it out on my own. You actually let me out there with these great tools. For me to be able to use in my own way. So I think that because of the lessons I've learned in the way that my parents raised me, I we make more space for our kids to be able to also explore. So like my son, yes, he runs my business because he needs a job. Right. (laughs) However, he has his own businesses and he's in the absolute best place to learn. He's plugged into my school the whole nine. He takes the courses. And he has such a great spirit about it because it's not a let me change you to the desk thing. You got to be me. You got to be who I am. No, that was done to me. So I refuse to do that to my kids. It's more of a let me show you what's possible. Let me help you learn through my company, you know, to help you be great at what you're doing. So he's been able to also branch out. He has a YouTube channel. He's a gamer. He's using a lot of these things that he's learned with me to be able to grow his own. And I'm not saying it in the way of that. Now, yes, I want my kids to help me to run our businesses and stuff, but they're going to find their own way at some point with something. And I want to encourage that. I want to make space for that. Um, so I don't have a lot of that with my kids. Thank God. I don't have a lot of like, Oh, I don't want to not really, Because they are grateful to be a part of the journey because they feel like they're a part of something great. And and I talk to a lot of people that say they have problems with their kids and I ask them, are you really bringing them into this to show them the picture? You know, are you showing them? Like, I will open my phone and I will show my kids reviews of the people who got boxes uh, for Christmas who, because of quarantine or whatever, social distancing, they couldn't see their kids. And so when they got this box on their doorstep for Christmas, and that was the only thing sitting there, right, it moved them. You know, I mean, there's one lady, her child is, I think, dealing with a disorder and this box has calmed her child. It's just a lot of stories that come in and I show them this. Do you see what we're doing for people? this is all this packaging we're doing. Do you see what, it, how it's making them feel? And they are so touched by that. Like, so I just feel like allowing your family to see the bigger picture and bringing them and making them a part of your journey. They can feel when they're apart or whether or not they're just that extra person during the work, there's a difference there, you know?
1: And And I think it's important too, that like, judging by the sounds of it, is that when it's packing day, you're right in there with them too. So it's not like you've delegated so that you can, you uh, know, <laughs> you watch something on TV. You're right in there. And it, and it's about, and the and the, and the the key phrase that I like to think here is it's about a lateral move versus a, a vertical. So in that same way, like with my parents, is that I, 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 I want to say too, I love my parents. I really do. And sometimes I, I have this like, pontification where i wonder if i had to change any variables if i ever lived this life over i would change this i would get more into smash brothers do this do that but i wouldn't change my parents for a world for the world right they would be they would be something that i would absolutely be honored to be their son again
0: yeah
1: and and what they showed me in this life is that you know they 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 worked hard they uh they they became homeowners and and they've had, uh, a, a lifetime of duty and responsibility, uh, even, you know, even to this day, they, they still have their, their responsibilities. And so for me, the reason why you use the word lateral is because, well, I'm going to succeed, but I'm gonna do it in my own way. I'm going to, I want I wanted to prove to my parents is that the structure that showed them the way is still around and it's still valid, but to also show them that there are other paths, uh, to take. And I think that was the the main, really the main disconnect between like, um, my, my parents generation and ours coming up is that there is, there, there is a path and it's fine. We're not trying to smash that with a hammer. We're just trying to say, look, some people don't fit there. We got to go do something differently.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if, if your child does say to you, you know, I love this company or I love what you do, but I really want to take that way. Like, can you make space for that? you know can you say okay like let's see let's explore that let's see where this goes can you make space for that you know and your kids know when you really and truly do and when you're just like not feeling it they know the difference you know
1: yeah they're they you can't get intuition like a like a child's intuition there's nothing <laughs> okay. like it
0: okay they can read you no need no need trying to make up no stories with kids you know my daughter says mom are you okay today and i say, i'm good and she Mom, <laughs> today, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, well, you know, because we want to make our kids think it's perfection. It's not all the time. Like sometimes you need to tell them, like, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not having the best day. Okay, I'm not in the best mood. I probably need to take it to the couch for the day. Get your own cookies, okay? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they're like, you know, and my, my 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 children are just as old as they can be. No problem, mom. You just kick your feet up. You just relax. We will handle the cookies. (laughs) Okay? Sometimes your kids need to see that side of you, need to see that everything's just not perfect with me because I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. I have my days, and it's okay to be transparent that this isn't perfect, you know? And I think that helps, too.
1: Well, I think it's 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 a great takeaway just to show what a what a home is capable of um, because yeah, it's, you know, it's got your living rooms, got your beds and, and laundry and all that, but it can also be a world within a world yeah. To Cause uh, I, I remember one thing that I like to talk about a lot is like my, my mindset expands as I've hit certain milestones, like my, when going to elementary school, the idea of like walking to school, was terrifying because my my world is very small and so when you when you show people what the world is capable of in your own home i mean that's a, that's an amazing thing so that's something i would look forward to uh being able to impart onto my kid that that yeah. doesn't exist yet but you know fingers <laughs> right.
0: crossed. yeah
1: So within all of the the talk about um, the subscription boxes, there was a specific scenario that I know that you've talked about. And again, I'm pretty sure this is on YouTube. So forgive me if it was like somewhere else, but how like sellers will um, end up with a bunch of stock on hand uh, and they're having a hard time selling it. You have some insights into how to get this product moving. So can you share those insights with us?
0: Yes, absolutely. So... Do you want me to answer specifically for subscription boxes or just products in general that you might have left? Or
1: Sure. So I, I guess when I wrote this question, it was more specifically for uh, like products in general. Okay. But if there's an answer for both, let's get them both.
0: Okay. So I also do sell products in general. Um, and what I will say is that, and it's a good problem to have, because I really know my market and from experience. I do a lot of research um, and I have some videos, speaking of YouTube, I have some videos on how to do different things if anyone's interested in checking that out. But I do some real detailed research. I mean, now I really know my market, but up until really getting to know my market, I do some real dedicated research on figuring out what products okay, are going to do well with them. And I'm talking deep. I'm talking like I'm in the communities with the planners, okay I' I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm buying the courses that they buy I'm you know shopping the store I'm browsing the stores that they that they that they browse. I'm reading the magazines that they read you know I'm testing out little machines that they use to craft myself like I'm getting in their whole mentality in their whole mm-hmm. world and I'm almost like becoming my customer so that I can really understand them and what they need and what they want. And so I don't, because of that, and a lot of people don't take time to do that kind of research. So because of that, I have very little inventory that doesn't move, okay? But there are things that you can do with your inventory um, that doesn't move. Like you can always sell on a marketplace, okay? Your leftover inventory. Uh, You can put it into Amazon FBA, you can do eBay as well. And there are Etsy. There are so many marketplaces out there. They already have the traffic I'm going for themselves. That can help you out to push that inventory out. Uh, you could run a sale, a massive limited time sale on your store, and you can mark that inventory down between certain hours. And trust me, okay, when people see those prices come down, they're ready to buy. Okay, that's another thing. Another thing that I've done that's worked really, really well for me um, with my box uh, audience, and which is also my store audience, because the box just kind of came out of the store. It's a sister company to the store. So if you know about the store, you know about the box and vice versa. What I've done is I've created a community for my VIP shoppers. So a lot of people, when they have an e-commerce store or business, they think, you know what, let me go and create a Facebook group to try to get shoppers. I don't do it that way. I create a Facebook group community that is special just for my VIP shoppers. So once you've spent money with me, you go into a group. This group's on fire for the store because they've experienced the product. You know, whether it's the box or whether it's just a product from the store, they've experienced us. So when I have products that I feel like might be lingering a little too long, I do VIP sales in the group whether I create a Facebook event and they can just comment sold inside of the event, or sometimes I do live. They love when I go live and I sell all of the items live. So that's another method works like a charm. I'm talking you sit for two, three hours. You can make thousands of dollars in just a couple hours, just being face to face with your buy with your buyers. And I give them special coupon codes and special gifts that go with their orders when they shop. Um, and another way is bundles. So how can you bundle your product to make it more attractive? Sometimes the product by itself it isn't selling because it's just not strong enough by itself. but if you can create a bundle with that product and some other products that your customer might need, right um, in relationship with that product, you have yourself a good you know a good sale and holidays are great times to do bundles. so like for instance, Valentine's Day. I'm not doing anything for that but I know a lot of my clients and stuff are where can you come up with a special Valentine's Day package or box that has hearts on the outside and it's just you know maybe it has wrapping over the items that's holiday or let's just say you're drop shipping okay it can still be a Valentine's Day bundle right you bundle some items together from the same store so that they're all drop shipped from the same place and the seller can actually put them together and you just call that your Valentine's Day deal. So bundles work really, really well over holidays and they're a great way of getting rid of inventory. I mean, of course, with drop shipping, you wouldn't be getting rid of anything, but just to give you some ideas of some things that work for really moving products and making you some great money with your store. So those are some methods that have really worked well for me. You can also sell to other sellers.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, B2B.
0: Right, Lots of buy and sell groups where sellers are looking to buy products off of other sellers, you know, because they're looking for specific products or they're looking to stop their stores. That's a great way. The marketplace. Okay. We could go all day. Let me stop.
1: Well, I, I'll, uh, well, the one that stuck out to me was cause you were talking about live and it just made me think like, oh, so I, I, I just go on to like a Facebook live and I'm just like, people are entering the chat or having a conversation. Like it, it, it sounds very like old school, like just, you know, closing, closing deals one at a time. Can you just let me know exactly what goes on there?
0: So I'm sure you heard, I don't know if you've heard of this movement, Comment Sold. There's actually an app called Comment Sold. So basically, yeah, it's a live sale that you do and everybody attends at a certain time. You let them know when you're going to be live. For me, it's easier to do because I'm only doing it with my shoppers, people who have shopped with me before, right? So everybody turns up to this live, you label all your products, you get them ready, everything's priced. And you show them on camera what you have. And you say, if you want this, comment. Let's just say it's an animal print pen. You might say, comment animal print and how many you want of this. This is this is however much this costs, right? And for my VIPs, I'll say, you all get this pen at 40% off if you shop live. So you're pretty much just holding up, you know, all the items from your store. You're showing them to your viewers because people like it and, it and it creates excitement and urgency. Like, oh, my God, if I don't buy it now, I'm going gonna... <laughs> and, to. And, and, and I've been um actually uh, basically played at my own game. I've been on other people's live sales and I've become the customer very quick. Like, Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. And I've ended up with so much stuff delivered to my house that I don't need. So those live sales are very addictive. So you just go back to the comments after you're done. And you, you know, you go through and you check off what people want and you invoice them and all that kind of stuff. Or you can use an app such as Comment Sold where people have to register first. They put their name, their, you know, their email address and they go through the app and they pay for everything and then you ship everything out. So um, very popular way to sell. I just don't have as much time as some people to do it. But when I do, I always make out really well. And it's a great way to clear your inventory out.
1: The, the through line that I've uh, picked up um, uh, over the course of this is how important it is that you know each individual person that is a part of your customer base is is, is given their due, is given the respect that they deserve. And you understand where they're shopping, you understand what are their needs. Because uh, one of the terms that we we do tend to use is the customer avatar, where you see like you understand like, what are the rules of this, of this person? And what you do is that you basically like embody the avatar to the point where you're putting yourself in that position to do, to do the research from that uh, level of, uh, I don't know if it's meticulousness, but I'm hoping it's meticulosity because that is way better, but I don't know. I think i might have just made that uh, word off. That's fantastic. So then you bring those over to the live and these people, they really know you and they really trust you. And that's one of the things that's key to sales is you gotta, you gotta trust the seller.
0: Right. Absolutely. And it builds that trust because, you know, I'm in that group and I'm treating them just like VIPs and I'm really pouring love on them and, you know, thanking them for shopping and I'm giving them special perks and they're the first to know about sales. So it's, it's first class treatment. You know, once I've shopped with this store, I've got VIP access and it's just a whole community around it. So people get really excited to support you and to be a part of your growth. They get invested in you growing.
1: There's some like unusual products that you've sold to uh, just talking about uh, specificity, like all true niche products like uh, cow and chicken feeders, aquarium equipment, uh, novelty toys like fake poop and, and fart sprays, mold and clay. There was, there was a couple of other ones that too. And I, and I and I get the sense the reason why you can make these work is because you really understand uh, who you are selling to and what is making these products work. But I think for 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 people who are listening to this and and they're trying to look for products that are like niche but still with somewhat somewhat general, what is it exactly about these ultra niche products that you've been? What is it about them that makes them work, or what is it that you've been able to do to make them work?
0: It's really not me; it's them. It's It's, okay. it's the passion behind it. That's what makes it work. Mm. That's what makes niche so much more easier you know to succeed in versus general because when you have a niche, it becomes easier to sell something. So like to give you an example, there's a community for people who love octopuses, okay <laughs> uh, I mean fanatics like they love the animal like anything that they see that has an octopus on it, they're buying it. These people have thousands of dollars worth of art. With octopuses, they give to causes for saving the octopuses. These people like love them, right? So these people are passionate about this thing. So if you put a product in front of them that has that thing, they're just gonna go nuts over that product, and that's what makes it sell well. So um, I just feel like anytime you can narrow down what you sell to a specific audience and just not be afraid to do that. That doesn't mean that other people outside of that niche won't still purchase from you. Mm -hmm. It just makes the conversation that you have between yourself and that person, which is the marketing, which is how you speak, right? How you court them, how you date them, which marketing is basically dating. (laughs) Okay. It's a relationship. It's not just the one time that you, boom, put your ad out there and somebody sees it in their end. No, it's an ongoing thing that you, that you do. It's a relationship that you cultivate with your customers, right? Over time. And if you can put a specific message out there to a specific person, okay, that's going to increase the chances that they're going to listen and actually take action on that message. But if you're just talking to everybody all the time, because you're selling a bunch of general products, it just makes it harder for you to really scale that, to really succeed. It's not impossible. It just makes it harder. We're not Walmart, as you said earlier, right? Okay. They can sell whatever they want. They've made a name for themselves. But the average e-commerce store uh, business owner is a small business owner. Most people haven't heard your name yet. You got to make your mark somewhere and it just makes your marketing more challenging when you don't know who you're talking to.
1: Uh, One thing that uh, I want to say about Walmart, and maybe you can correct uh, the record on this, but I I do think that there is a certain limitation to what they sell because whatever they sell, they have to sell at scale. So with a a lot of e-commerce stores is that we look for products that these stores won't carry uh, because maybe there's just not enough of an interest in them or there's not enough energy to put into marketing them. So I, I think there is a drop-off point where eventually Walmart won't carry something that's like too specific. And another example of this too is like Staples. I do like going to Staples because I am kind of like a supply supply nerd. And one thing that I was looking for was like a stand for my tablet. And they had one stand there, like one single box left. Um, and it wasn't very good. So I ended up having to order much more specific one online. I go online, there's thousands of different stands for it. So I'm not sure exactly how to frame it as a question, but I'm just wondering if you've seen um, the the Goliaths, the limitations to what they can sell in specific.
0: Well, no, the reason no is because Walmart has become nothing but a marketplace now, similar to Amazon. So it's made up of us. So I don't know, you know, if everybody's- uh, Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. But they've gotten hip. They understand that they can't do it all. They're not going to be able to do everything. So they let us come in and get a piece of like, I'm a Walmart seller as well. So um, you got to have at least 10 items in stock to sell, you know, with Walmart. And they they have very tight shipping deadlines. So I use it. That's another to answer the previous question. That's another way that I get rid of inventory quickly is by selling it there. Right. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that these big time stores, these big box stores have gotten hip. They know that they can't do it alone. So it's all of them are marketplaces made up of all kinds of sellers that are filling in the gap with some of these more specific products so that they can do it all because they know they can't do it all by themselves. So um, yeah, you can go to Walmart and you can find some of the most specific things that you wouldn't think you would find because there are all kinds of little sellers. It's like a city of sellers, you know, covering those bases.
1: That's true. I will say that like from um, Walmart and specifically or in Staples too, I was thinking like what they would have in the physical locations, but uh, well, you know, we're talking about the physical here. We're this is an e-commerce yeah, podcast. Answering
0: so. your question about the physical, you're right. Like especially now, too, during the pandemic, less people are shopping at stores. More people are online. So these stores are not wasting their time stocking their stores with certain stuff. They're taking the most popular things, and that's what they're stocking. The stuff that's not, it just goes online. I noticed that during Christmas past Christmas, I was like disgusted putting on my mask, going out, trying to look for anything. Nothing was out there. <laughs> Nothing. Was out there. It was sad what was out there. But if I were a brick and mortar or a big box store too, I would do the same thing. Like put your inventory where the people are, which is online. So I get what you're saying. Like right now, you're going to get way more va- variety if you shop online. Go into the store. You're not guaranteed to find anything right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. That, that definitely clears it up. Well, uh, so I'm just checking the time here, but we have basically hit an hour and uh, as is my goal is to always run out of time and never to run out of questions and i have certainly not run out of questions so if <laughs> it's cool with you uh so we're gonna we're gonna decompress we're just gonna like um uh, shoot the breeze a little bit because i know that uh you dallas you have a spiritual side too so for listeners who like you don't uh, mind the spiritual side you can actually go you know thanks for listening take care but for everybody else i love having these conversations because. Not just to like to go off into woo-woo territory, but to understand why even this is an important part of of selling. So um what I'm wondering is with your with your spiritual background, is that has that informed or guided you in any way in how you're shaping your business?
0: A hundred percent. A hundred and if I could give a higher percentage, yes. Um I don't do anything without cultivating and nourishing and spending time with that part of myself. Um, it has definitely guided me. And one thing I always tell you know my clients, because I believe it's true for myself, is, is that our results in the outer world is just a mirror of the soul. It's a mirror of the spirit. It's a mirror of your mental and what you got going on inside. So you can't expect to grow and project this amazing life on the outside if your inside is like this you know, you, it's not getting enough balance. Um, it's not getting enough communication with your spiritual side. Um, I believe it needs to happen from the inside and then it projects out. Definitely has a major role um, every single day in everything that I do and how I'm led in my business.
1: And then also the other thing that I'm wondering too, and this was the uh, the, the doozy that I had um, warned you about, foreshadowed, yeah, foreshadowed. See, see, I'm like, uh, I'm a chronic editor, so as you can see, I'm editing myself live. Anyways, for me, I'm I'm a, I've always been like a big uh, fan of dreaming because it's a great way to have these connections to parts of the of the of the greater picture that don't exist in the the world around us. And I had this one dream where I met, well, God, and in an office, and then and the room was sky blue, and it was very quick because. You know, he's busy and he just checked in on me and he said, uh, how you doing? And then there was a door open behind him and beyond the door was a black, was blackness. I couldn't see anything. And which I interpreted as like the option to actually like check out here, so to speak. And I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. And he's like, all right, cool. I don't remember him saying, all right, cool. But that was the vibe I got. And it's been six years since I had that dream. And it still reminds me of like, you know, I want to be here. And, and I appreciate being asked the question so that I can have the opportunity to answer it. And while dreaming is very specific to my brain psychology and how like I'm wired, I'm wondering if, uh, if you've had any like pivotal times where the spiritual world really like got through to you and said something.
0: That's pretty deep. Um, I am a vivid dreamer. Um, I dream all the time. And I have to say probably the loudest, the loudest... A uh, voice um, that I've heard was through my dad passing on, um, and because he he passed a few years ago, is a mm, very very
1: right, In my
0: mind, it was an untimely passing. I felt like so soon because my kids, you know, were definitely still young then, still are now, but be younger then. And just the year before, we were like all in Florida. We were all on vacation with him. And so my, in my mind, he'll, he'll be around to see this and that different milestones. And the next year he was just gone. So sometimes our, you know, communication sometimes, or, you know, the spirit world getting through to us can happen through events like that. Because I feel like almost like I was sleeping prior to that. It was like, I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I was capable of. I knew the impact that I was supposed to have. However, I didn't feel like it was mandatory for me to do anything with it because I had my whole support system. What else did I need? Um, I was used to having both of my parents always together, always this really strong family, always this really strong support system. So it was, like you said, you were given an option whether or not you wanted to stay, you know, in the office or get off the boat, right? I was like, I felt like, I had options and I didn't need to do anything with these gifts at this moment because I was comfortable. So I felt like once that rug was pulled from under me and I looked at the person I loved and I saw that they were lifeless, they weren't even the same person once their spirit was evicted to another place. That was like a major, huge awakening for me that, like, Get on this now, <laughs> now is the time you don't have you don't you don't have tomorrow, you only have today. so stop playing around. you only have this moment to do the most you can with yourself and with other people. You don't have years from now, you don't know that that doesn't exist yet in your life, and every since I have been to the best of my ability, living out loud, you know every single day of my life because that moved me. That's probably the loudest experience, and to me, it felt like a dream, but it was actually happening. Um, so I feel like that experience really woke me up, got me vocal, got me speaking, got me reaching people, got me really serious about coaching and stop playing. I was doing a lot of like babysitting my gifts.
1: Oh, I'm I'm sorry to hear about his passing, but I think that what it speaks to is uh, life is very transient. And temporal, it happens and then it's and then it stops. And for these for these things to uh, occur in our life, it's there are there is no other method that's really more effective than to show us that life does come and it goes, and that for for us to uh, to want to affect any change, we actually have to go out and do it. Yeah. Because otherwise, the change would just happen to us anyways.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Well,
1: that's why I'm glad I asked that question because um, one of the the principles that I have on the show is like, you know, I got you for what an hour. If people really want to learn more about the the the, the value content, they're going to head on over to your YouTube and they're going to have all the time in the world. But I want to make sure that they really got to know you, and uh, I'm pretty happy with that. I feel like uh, all in all, you know, they I, I think a lot of people who are in uh, dear to uh, know what to do next. So. Dallas, uh, the last question is uh, another one of our traditions. Um, although I will say that you've kind of nailed the question already, but I'm going to ask it anyways. If if you have any parting words of wisdom or anything that you like to impart on people an answer to a question I didn't ask, uh, this is the time to do it. And then let people know where to find you and how to get in touch.
0: If I had any imparting words of wisdom, I just would say think outside the box. Just do it. Like whatever it is that you are thinking or you have a hunch about, like observe, start to say, what would happen if, and actually go and scratch that itch to see what's on the other side? Because what else do you have to lose? Like what else do you have to lose? Because in every single step that you actually take, there's a lesson that's only going to get you closer to where you need to be. Um, so I know some people are sitting on some ideas that are listening to this podcast, and I just want for this podcast to make, to move you to that next step, whatever that might be for you. I don't know. You know what it is. You know? so just allow it to move you from this place over there to a place that may seem unknown. You may not think people want the idea. It may even feel uncomfortable. But that's where our growth lies, Right. Keeping it moving, putting ourselves in positions to be slightly uncomfortable so that we can grow and we can stretch and we can make room for our expansion and growth. So um, this has been so amazing. This is probably one of the best, okay, interviews. This is an amazing interview. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, thank you for saying that.
0: Yeah, you guys can find me at DallasGordon.com. These days I spend most of my time on Instagram. I'm at Coach Dallas Gordon all across all profiles, including YouTube. So connect with me, and I'm here to serve you, okay? So thank you so much.
1: Fantastic. I have a big smile on my face. Uh, your, your, your words mean a lot to me. Uh, so listeners, uh, go forth in love and light. Um, thank you for being here, and uh, you know what to do. So take care, and we'll check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, spotify google play stitcher or right here on debutify whatever the case if you enjoyed this content and want to help us thrive please take a few moments to leave a review on apple podcasts or wherever you think is best we also want to hear from you so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show you can email podcast at or connect with us on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.